family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends. For Thursday, May 20th, I am Tim McAuliffe. Quite a fine dancer, if I do say so myself. We are ready for another unbelievable day of sports here in our home and native land. Leafs Habs game one. Not enough. All right. How about the rubber between the Jays and the Red Sox? Not enough. Okay. How about the street fight that is the Lightning and Panthers? Okay, cool. Still no good. Pacers, Wizards, winner, go home, and this, all of this. Of course, after the Jets and Oilers, Lakers and Warriors, a third straight overtime in the Bruins and Caps. This time we needed two. It's so incredible right now that I was rifling through the sporting fare that we can consume on yesterday's show, and I literally forgot about the PGA Championship. That's how good it is right now. I pride myself on being among the most, if not the most well-rounded sports broadcaster in the business, and I forgot about a major. A major! By the way, your leader at this hour, the Ocean Course in South Carolina is... A group of six dudes, including Corey Connors at three under par. He's still out on the course. Keegan Bradley among your clubhouse leaders, carding a three under Rob Gronkowski. 69. I love golf. I wish I could play golf. I'm hearing we're going to be playing golf, Jesse. Saturday, baby. Is it really Saturday? Yeah. Good luck booking a tea time, though. Yeah, it's going to take about five weeks just to get a tea time. <laughs> it's down the list, though, kids. Golf is down the list on this day, my friends. The marquee in this country is pretty clear. Game one, Leafs, Habs, followed closely by what in the good name of Pokey Reddick happened last night in Edmonton. Oilers, Jets, we'll do our best to get to all of it. The friends will help, and today that includes... Jennifer Botterill from the Hockey Night in Canada Mothership, Carolyn Cameron, Eric Angles, Justin Bourne, Chris Johnston, and coming up in about 15 minutes, Stephen Brunt with an essay on the Leafs and the Habs as only Stephen Brunt can. And I know, I know people say as only insert name here can. Full stop. I mean this. An essay as only Stephen Brunt can. We start the only way we can, with a classic Tim and Friends match game. That's right. Brunt's got essays. I've got the match game. Not you got the match game. Friends, let's crank this one up and have some fun. And to do it, we bring in digital producer Jesse Rubinoff. Ruby Thursday, if you will. What is the match game today? The match game back-to-back -back match game days. I like it. Pretty good. We're jacked. Waiting for the Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs was more painful than blank. Ooh. Waiting for Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs is more painful than blank. Okay. Orioles fans witnessing this after Buck Showalter's infamous mistake, choosing Yobaldo Jimenez right. over Zach Britton. Still on the bench, Zach Britton. Imagine being an Orioles fan watching that. Imagine Thank being an you, Orioles Eddie. fan. You could have stopped Period. there. Yeah. yeah. Tough division. Tough sledding. 
Waiting for Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs is more painful than waiting to get back on the golf course, but you only have to wait less than 48 hours. boy, Davey. You don't got to wait much longer <laughs> if you got it in at a golf course. If yeah. you don't, well, good luck, my yeah, friend. Very much At least in Ontario. Rest of Canada. Enjoy your golf. Waiting for Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs is more painful than being a Sabres fan. Is that true, though? I don't know about that. Waiting for Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs was more painful than Michael Scott burning his foot on a George Foreman grill. Hey, he likes egg sandwiches in the morning. He likes sandwiches in the morning. Burn my foot. Leave him alone. Waiting for Leafs-Habs to meet in the playoffs oh. is more painful than Pilar's last at-bat. And in nice. case... No. In case you forgot what it looked like. What? Oh, there come on, is. man. What are we doing here? I'm Someone sorry, got mad man. at me, by the way. I got a tweet from somebody. Yeah. Got mad at me. Said, how dare you show the picture of Kevin Pillar during the supper hour on the East Coast? No, it's not that bad. It's like, what are we talking not about like here? On the Suck screen it up. Right yeah. like, are you kidding me? No, no, This no. is real life. Real drama. Disagree. Real TV. Where have I heard that before? Anyhow. Can't help you on that one, but Can I give Kevin Pillar, tough as nails, doing that press conference, oh, saying, he looked, "Oh, they asked him how he felt. He's like, oh, I feel fine. I we feel been, good.' Yeah, we've we known that for years, son. <laughs> Diving all over the outfield, Can Superman. Give, Can I give good you one? Him. Yeah, it's here. I got one on my computer, and yeah. I'm just making this up as we go along. But uh, tougher than Dan Schulman before someone told him to shave his head, mm. and he did this to himself on Twitter <laughs> earlier today. I know his pain. I feel his pain. Should have shaved his head a long time ago. <laughs> Especially when you sit beside Buck Martinez for a living. You can't grasp. Yes. Danny, good call on the head shave. Opposite ends of the spectrum in that picture, most definitely. <laughs> My goodness. Got any more match games for us? Or are we I'm, closing I'm good, on Danny Shulman? Yeah, Danny Shulman. Yeah, I can't one-up that, so we're going to stop it there. All right. We'll be I, back, though. Send your match Bring games it. in. We are uh, excited about the day, excited about the match game. Uh, got a feeling that could go a little bit. Plenty more on the Leafs-Habs coming up. Stephen Brunt's essay now in less than 10 minutes' time. I wonder how many Leaf fans, though, were thinking, look at the standings, look at the record. On paper, we got this. I wonder how many of those Leaf fans Watch the Winnipeg Jets last night. Two and seven versus the Oilers this season. Struggled down the stretch. No Nick Ehlers. No Pierre-Luc Dubois on the road. And and they gutted out a win. A stark reminder, as if the start of the postseason didn't jog your memory enough. The playoffs are a different beast. The Jets got the Vesna Trophy winning Connor Hellebuck last night. And the two Winnipeg Connors got the better of the one Edmonton Connor, as in McDavid. Held scoreless for the first time all season versus the Jets in game one. Not only that, he was a dash two, although there were a couple of empty net goals in that game. Kids, hang with me here. The games are not played on paper. They're played by little men in our television sets for now until we can go and watch games. And that's an absolute steal by the Jets. And absolutely shocking to me that it took the Oilers almost nine minutes of that bleeping hockey game to get a shot on goal. So we will wait and see if Ehlers or PDL get to return for tomorrow night's game number two. With McDavid and Dreisaitl, 
it's not the old you can only hope to contain them. It's an attempt at delaying the inevitable as long as possible. I will tell you this. If there is only one penalty called in every game like there was last night, the Jets got a real shot here. You know how to stop the NHL's most dominant power play? Don't give them a power play. They got one. They were 0 for 1. Jam done in game one. That all rhymed. Freestyle, top of the dome piece. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Jets pushed the envelope perfectly last night. We'll see if they can do it again on Friday. You hear that? Jesse, you hear that? Yep. That's the pressure mounting in Edmonton Ooh, as we speak. That happened fast. The pressure is mounting in Washington, too. Caps and Bees played game three last night, and for the third straight game, we got free hockey. This time, we needed two extra frames to get the game winner as the Bruins' Craig Smith got a gift from the Caps' Ilya Samsonov and Justin Schultz. Smith grabs the puck and scores! Washington took a nap, and Craig Smith answers the wake-up call! Took a nap, wake-up call. You have to wonder if that's the kind of heartbreak that could take a little too long to recover from. Seemed to be some dissension among the troops after that one. Unless, unless this is just what Alexander Ovechkin looks like when he's trying to cheer up his troops. Amazingly, though, that wasn't the story of the night. Nope. And stop me if you've heard this one before. The story of the night was focused on a dirty play by Nazem Kadri. A hit on the Blues' Justin Falk. An injured blue down on the play, and it breaks out along the boards. It's Justin Falk. You know, a guy like Kadri, a uh, guy can't control himself. Um, you know, in the playoffs, he's a uh, repeat offender, uh, bad hits, greasy hits. We talked about Nazem Kadri taking bad penalties. I hope he didn't take a penalty in this situation. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Oh, no yeah, doubt. he did. Got a guy in a vulnerable position and picks nothing but the head, so... A match penalty, in fact, and the in-person hearing if he wants it. Time to play Canada's favorite game show. That's right, kids. It's time to play... How Many Games? And for How Many Games here on Sportsnet, I bring in the aid of Jesse Rubinoff. Jesse, we put it out to the Tim and Friends. How many games do most people say... Nazem Kadri is going to get. Can I start by saying people think he's going to get a lot of games? <laughs> you can. <laughs> Let's run through that. a couple of replies here. KD says he's gone for the playoffs, repeat offender, hunted him down, targeted his head. No. Textbook 15 games. No place for Ab- this in the game. So you know where KD stands on the Ab- matter. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm, <laughs> listen, there's not a lot I disagree with there, KD, except for he's gone for the playoffs. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I guarantee it. Agreed. Roger says, and just like that, he reminds you of exactly why Dubas had to move him rest of the first round for repeat offender Kadri. Okay. I'll start listening to that from Roger. Do you like when they yep. do that by, instead yep. of just giving the games an actual number, they say for the rest of the series, you're not going to play? Yep. I like it. And, they, and they, listen, it depends on you don't get to play against that team. Right. That's what they're telling you. And I don't mind it at all. In fact, I think it's a good idea. 
in situations like this where I think, and maybe you'll get to it, but I think most people are saying five, right? Yeah, a lot of people are saying five. Uh, Manitoulin says, I love Nazem Kadri's heart. His decision-making needs work. Seven games. So we're working our way on down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Hargrave says, with George Peros, only out the punishment, probably only a fine. <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> so still smarting from the uh, Tom Wilson incident. So, yeah, um, some I think people think he's going to get a lot of games. And yeah. based on the repeat offender situation, um, there's going to be a, a hefty punishment coming for Nazem Kadri. I, I think, think it'll be, in the end, I honestly think, and listen, if you end up giving him the rest of the series, they're up two games to none. That could be two games. Yeah. If you give him five games... He's out for that series and whatever else is next. And the, the biggest shame outside Kadri, who is, let's be honest, he's like Wilson, uh, and many more yeah. before both of them, they can't seem to toe that line between playing on the edge and falling off that edge. And P.S., by the way, the people who yell and scream, that's harder than you think to play on that edge without falling over that edge. Not excusable in any way, shape, or form. He is going to get suspended. I'm saying I think it's going to be five, but it's really hard to play that edge and not fall over it every once in a while. Kadri, he's been suspended five times before, so he's fallen over a couple of times. The real shame about Kadri, about how many games, is that it overshadowed just how incredible Nathan McKinnon and the Avs have looked through two games. McKinnon has five goals Seven points in the first two games against a team with pedigree. The Avs look like, hands down, the best team in the league. Hashtag it's early. Even overshadowed a great moment late in that game when the crowd of just under 8,000 in Colorado reminded us just how awesome the fan experience can be. Blink 182, all the small things. They're singing. I'd be singing, too. I can't wait to get back in the arena, Jesse. Does that mean that the average age of Avs fans is, like, over, what, 30? Over 35? <laughs> everyone knew that song. Yeah, everyone knows that song. Like, do kids know the words to all the small things anymore? That's that's pretty. I mean, that's probably more ge- your generation than my generation. Right. Yeah. Like Definitely. You, that was a huge song. And Where'd you go? Western or some school that, yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. when you're there and you're at the seeps jumping yeah. up and down to that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but was that organic? Like, they don't normally do that. I think they play I, that they, a lot. Do they? Yeah? Yeah, I think they play that yeah, a lot. That, that I didn't know. I was curious about that because that <sighs> was just, like... Every team needs to have a song where that happens. Sing along, yeah. Sweet Caroline. Bring, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Can't just steal the Boston Red Sox every time. No. <laughs> Not a good look when teams do that. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I can't wait to get back in arena. Anyone got tickets for Habs Leafs yeah. game six? <laughs> How much are they going to go for? Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's selling those tickets, dear God, they are going to go for a lot of money. Yes. Are they not? That is- like, if you choose among the 2,500, if they get to a game six to scalp those tickets... <laughs> like, at what point is it like, okay, I don't want to go to the game anymore. I would rather sell the tickets. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's a personal preference. Yeah, it's Everybody's definitely a different. how much money you got but, thing, too. But the tops, the top sale, if they're scalping it, 
That's going to be a lot of bucks. I don't cross the border yet. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Can't wait for things to change Fair enough. here. Fair enough. All right. Uh, sounds like no change in Vancouver. We're hearing some reports right now that Travis Green is staying with the Canucks. Shout out Irfan Gaffar. We'll keep you up to date as that story develops. Unbelievable to go through all they went through in Vancouver and change nothing. I'll tell you this. Things are going to change in the NBA. LeBron James might have thought the person who came up with the play-in tournament should be fired. Homie is getting a raise now. I bet you, because of that game last night, the play-in tournament is not only here to stay, that hockey will follow suit. MLB and NFL already kind of have it with the wild card. It's funny. LeBron may have guaranteed it with the clutch shot that he hit to ice the game for the Lakers. James puts up the break. Listen, it's kind of funny because we will never get anything like the Warriors and the Lakers. We will never get anything like LeBron versus Steph as the 7-8 and eight seed in any conference. Don't kid yourself. It's here to stay even though we will never get that again. And it's not done. O'Shea Brissett and the Pacers take on the Wizards tonight in a winner-go-home matchup. Same, same thing, excuse me, for the Warriors and Grizz tomorrow night. Canada basketball on full display. Yeah. O'Shea Brissett, oh, Brizzy, out of Toronto, led the uh, Pacers in scoring with 23. The Grizz, Dylan Brooks, Mississauga held DeMar DeRozan in check, also led his team in scoring with 24 to go along with seven boards. And don't look now. But R.J. Barrett wasn't the only Canadian with a huge bounce-back season. Andrew Wiggins did everything everyone wanted him to do this year. And he has fit in really well with the Warriors. Maybe even with all the injuries and contracts, Canada's got a real shot at not only getting to the Olympics, but ah, I'm going to stop there. I've watched (laughs) Canada basketball for far too long. Let's get everyone we can to Victoria and build on that, shall we? Speaking of Victoria, Jays, Red Sox, rubber of a three-game set tonight in Dunedin. Steven Matz against Victoria's Nick Pavetta. No relation to Dick Pavetta. Why would there be? They are different last names. Pavetta, Pavetta, Nick, and Dick. See it all. (laughs) Sportsnet 1, Jamie Campbell, Joe Siddle, gotcha. Starting at 7 Eastern. I wonder who throws a no-hitter tonight. Are the Mariners playing? Zero days since the last no-hitter. And we're still counting down. Speaking of counting down, did you hear? Leafs, Habs. Game number one. We're about 100 minutes away from handing it off to Ron McLean and the crew right here on Tim and Friends. up the three. Oh, it's gone. LeBron James from downtown as the shot clock expires. A desperation heave and the Lakers are up three. What a show these two stars put on tonight. He's taken. He's going to go Lloyd McClendon and take first base out of the ground. It's the most 
wonderful time of the year. We've been waiting for this for a long, long time. Tim and friends on Sportsnet, welcome back. We have all heard it a bunch by now. Leafs and Canadians meeting in a playoff series for the first time since 1979, but it just feels special. Hasn't happened since I was four years old. And who better to capture the significance and the moment than Stephen Brunt? I'll tell you who. Nobody. Brunt? Cue the nostalgia. So here we are again, ready for more action between the Leafs and Montreal. The Gardens, the Forum, the original six. Danny Gallivan, René LeCavalier, Foster Hewitt. Hello, Canada and hockey fans in the United States. Two founding cultures, two solitudes. If you are of a certain age, which means you probably qualify for a senior's discount, you remember when. We're talking about the 1960s, when the Canadians and Leafs were trading Stanley Cups. Forget about 1979. That was a blip, with the Habs at the tail end of a dynasty and the Leafs on the verge of a disastrous decade. 1993 forever remains the great what if. And wouldn't this be something if Wayne Gretzky was thrown out for a high stick? Thanks to Wayne Gretzky and Kerry Fraser. But what's that sound you're hearing? just in Toronto and Montreal, not just in Ontario and Quebec, but from sea to sea to sea. Ancestral stuff, family mythology passed on from one generation to the next. Chipped away at as loyalties passed to local teams, but never fully extinguished. If I came home with a Habs jersey, I think my dad would be too pleased with me. I don't think he would appreciate the blue, white, and red. Growing up, you follow these two teams for your, your entire life, and now being a part of it, it's pretty amazing. I got a lot of family members, you know, that root for the Canadians. I just want to break the hearts of my family members. It begins with Montreal and Toronto, the iconic rivalry which divides and unites, and tonight brings us back together. And whether or not you feel the echoes awaken, who can resist going along for the ride? that game i am ready to go wonderful job as always by the incomparable stephen brunt getting a set for leaps habs game number one right here on the sportsnet family of channels uh someone else 
happy to uh, have along to help me set this up is Carolyn Cameron of Hockey Central fame who joins me now. Carolyn, it's hard to follow Stephen Brunt in that moment when they dipped to black. I felt like walking out the door, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know I had to go after Brunt. Maybe I should go. No. Get ready for the game. I think Get both you snacks. and I could walk out the door and uh, we could just play that over and over and over again. Uh, listen, <laughs> I know you weren't alive the last time they played. I'm a little worried that you weren't alive the last time a Canadian team won the cup. Am I, am I even close to that? Like 93? I was, I was born in 1990. I Good. just turned 31. So I was alive. Right. I was in diapers. I would suggest I was probably not potty trained yet. So I don't remember it, but I was alive. To carry the one, two, three. Okay. That's uh, kind of sort yeah. of acceptable. So like, as I know you've been hosting shows for a week, as I've been hosting shows for a week, do you feel like, we're at the, the point where the momentum is still building because I thought a week ago, and I'm going to be honest here, I thought people would get tired of it with the week lead-in because we had to wait for the Flames and the Canucks. But it doesn't seem like the appetite has waned at all. No, I think I think it's, oh my gosh, thank goodness it's finally here. Yeah. And that's what's kind of funny is I've just had it burned into my memory, even though I wasn't alive. Okay, 1979, first time since 1979, first time since 1979, because that's all we've been hearing, not just for the past week, but for the past, even I'd say, what, two months of this regular season. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just finally ready. And I think one of Brent's uh, great lines in that was that this is ancestral stuff. And I can say stuff because Brent said stuff. And this is something that every generation can now be a part of. And it's also going to bring generations together. I was talking to my dad about it. Uh, he remembers the great games and the great rivalry built in the playoffs between the Habs and the Leafs. I don't. I don't remember it. So now it's going to bring people together. And also, equally across the country, it will also turn fan bases against each other. So I'm, I'm just honestly... Tim, as you know, in this business, I'm glad we can soon stop talking about it and just experience it, and it will be. It's funny. Yesterday, I was watching what seemed to be the perfect tonic for the Edmonton Oilers to get a wounded Winnipeg Jets team coming into Edmonton, struggling at the end of the regular season, uh, missing two uh, significant parts of their team. If if I'm in the Toronto Maple Leaf executive and or coaching staff, before we go out for this game tonight, I just remind the boys, did you see what happened last night in Edmonton? Because I think a lot of people think that the Leafs Oh, they've got the elite end, high-end talent that they should be able to walk over in this series if the talent shines. It's a different beast in the postseason, is it not? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. The Leafs on paper are the favorites. And a lot of times what happens in the regular season, it doesn't matter in the playoffs. And I get that there's some truth to that. But especially in a year like this one where you faced 10 times and the Leafs dominated 7-2-1 and and they outscored them 34-25, to you can, I think he can bring some of that into the playoffs. Uh, that being said, with the Leafs and the concern always with this fan base is, okay, we know what's going to happen in the first round because that's what's been happening since 2004. We're going to get spooked. We're going to lose. And that's where I find just even getting ready for this game, the Leafs can find the see the confidence that, okay, yes, we've been spooked before many a time, but now we have Zach Bogosian, we have Nick Felino, we have Joe Thornton, we have Wayne Simmons, we have these guys 
who've been in situations like this before and they can help us get through it. But you're right, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, anything can happen at any moment. But I, I feel a little bit more confident about the Leafs this time around than I would have said if they were facing the Habs in a similar first round, even though it was different last year, uh, a year ago. In my mind, there's always been kind of two forms of toughness. And one of the ones is the one that you just described in the Zach Bogosians, the Wayne Simmons, the Nick Foligno's. Those guys can push back. And I think that's important in the playoffs. The other one is sacrifice. And Sheldon Keefe was on the show earlier this week. And I have said in the past that I thought that there were times when their really good young core didn't show the same sort of sacrifice that other teams were showing. And it just so happened that they kept matching up with the Boston Bruins who have Brad Marchand who is just built that way and you had Patrice to say it. Yeah, and you had to bring up the Bruins. <laughs> and Patrice Bergeron who might be among the toughest players that we have seen in our lives. And I wonder if this Leafs young core and listen, they're still a very young core may have learned from all that. No one wants to go through the learning process because that means you're waiting for your team to figure things out. But it's the truth. Like, every team that ends up at the top. Last year, Tampa Bay Lightning, same thing. You've got to go through it before you realize just what it takes. Yeah, and I feel like we were talking about it near the start of the season, just across the league, and how, say, a guy like Austin Matthews was really using his size and physicality more. And I still don't think Mitch Marner gets enough credit for his defensive game. So you have those two guys who have been in the situations before in the playoffs where they realize, okay, we need to get tougher. And and that's what you mean by there's different forms of toughness. We need to get heavier. And I think what's interesting in this matchup with the Habs is I would say on purpose in the Habs media availability this week, they keep preaching, we're going to come out and we're going to hit. We're going to be strong. We're going to be physical. And in those head-to-head matchups this season, even though the Leafs got the better of the Habs, in terms of hits, the Habs got the better of the Leafs. But this year, the Leafs have a team that they've already proven that they can, throughout their lineup, still compete against that physicality. And when you mentioned the Jets and Oilers last night, it was the Jets coming out really strong and shutting down the Oilers, in part due to the fault of the Oilers on their own, but also coming out and and being physical and being tough and hitting bodies around. So I think it'll be a really physical game starting from the Hab side tonight. But again, I have confidence that the Leafs are able to counter this year, where in past years I wouldn't. If you think it's just a, a physical Habs team, Consider this, the Habs' most hits against any team came against the Leafs. It is obviously part of their game plan and what they're attempting to do. Um, I know you've talked to a bunch of people this entire week. Does anyone know what we can expect from Carey Price? I don't think so. And that's, I think, what's nerve-wracking for both sides. Because if you're the Montreal Canadiens, it's kind of, okay, what Carey Price is going to show up? Is it going to be the Carey Price who's coming back from a concussion slash the Carey Price that we've seen earlier this season in the regular season who wasn't stellar? Or is it going to be playoff price, playoff carry, right? Who had yeah. that 936 save percentage in the bubble in 10 games last year, like goals against was just under two. And I mean, even saw him yesterday in practice, freak out and, and break his stick because um, he wasn't pleased. So that's where the question mark is for the Habs 
And obviously for the Leafs is how good is Carey Price going to be and which Carey Price is going to show up. If you if you try and put this as kind of a goaltending story, Jack Campbell versus Carey Price, you can ask yourself the same question. Because if it's yep. Carey Price of this season versus Jack Campbell, I'd take Jack Campbell in basically every meaningful category, goaltending category. It was um, Jack Campbell who has the advantage. But again, we're talking about Carey Price. So is it going to be current Carey Price or the Carey Price of, of past? So I guess we'll just wait and see. It's such a big question mark. I guess we'll find out pretty quickly tonight. That's the beauty of it. They do play the game tonight, game number one. Uh, will you stick around and maybe we'll ask a guy who knows pretty well about Carey Price and the rest of the Montreal Canadiens? That would make a lot of sense. Coming up after the break, we're joined by Eric Engels from Montreal. Habs have chosen to go with experience over youth for game number one. Will it be the right call? Maybe a little more heft as well. We'll discuss as we count down to game number one. Leafs Habs with Carolyn Cameron on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. We continue our look at the Habs and Leafs with something special. Tyler Stewart, Bare Naked Ladies, Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield, and Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Tyler from Bare Naked Ladies here. Go Leafs, go. It's the playoffs against the Habs. First time since 79. I'm so excited. We're going to take them in six games. That's my fearless prediction. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Woo! It's been over 100 years since uh, the Leafs and the Canadians played their first game together. They haven't been in the playoffs together since 1979. I am so excited to watch this series between the Habs and the Leafs. And I can only say one thing. Go Leafs, go. 42 years since the Buds and the Habs in the playoffs. Think about that. I'm 47, so I was five years old. That's crazy. I got my playoff beard rocking. It's already in full effect. As you can tell by Wendell over my shoulder and the Leafs championship belt over the other shoulder, you know who I'm gunning for in this series. And I know it's been a horrible year, but we got to pull the positives. One of the positives, the North Division. And the fact that we have the Leafs and the Canadians in the playoffs, and it means something. It's hockey season, it's playoff season, and I got a good feeling, I got a good feeling, but I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it this year. Instead, all I'm gonna say is, go Leafs, go, go Leafs, go. Less than two hours from puck drop at Scotiabank Arena. It is time, lots to talk about. Matchups today, teams. Let's hear from Sheldon Keith then Philip Deneau on matching up with the Austin Matthews line. First of all, I, I don't feel the need to protect Austin from anybody. Uh, he, he and Mitch, you know, they need to take on the most difficult matchups. That's important, you know, for our team, uh, especially when you look at Deneau with, you know, with Gallagher and Tatar. I mean, that's, that's been as good a line as there, there is in the league the last few years. Obviously, every time we're, uh, it gets matched on the ice, we know he's a, a big weapon for him, and he's got a good score, scoring goals. Uh, Martin is a great passer and can score goals as well. So we always got to be alert, and uh, obviously a great challenge every night to play against these guys. Tim McAuliffe, Carolyn Cameron, and now Eric Engels joins us from Montreal. Welcome to the show, Mr. Engels. What's the feeling like in Montreal heading into this game? It's warm, sunny, uh, actually about to rain as I look outside my window, but 
I think everyone is so excited. First time in 42 years, as we mentioned. But you know what? As I wrote today on Sportsnet.ca, the rivalry hasn't been anything to write home about since the 60s. So this is finally something that we can get to, that we can wrap our arms around and embrace. And I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. And the thing is, now we've been reminiscing and looking back at the rivalry and what it's been. And now as we look ahead, it starts in net with Carey Price in net and coming back from that concussion. Do you have any indication, Eric, of how Carey Price is and what version of Carey Price we'll see in net tonight? You know, there is always a contrast between Carey Price and what body language is and what people see from the outside when they watch him play a game and what he's actually like on the inside. He's a fiery competitor. We saw it in practice earlier this week. He got scored on a couple of times, obliterated a stick, almost killed someone behind him. But that is, you know, I think fans were looking at that and they were concerned and Leafs fans were looking at that and saying, oh, you know, he's already frustrated. This is just about how competitive this guy is. He cares a lot. He has been excellent and raised his game in the playoffs in the past. 936 in the bubble last year. He was unbelievable against Pittsburgh, and he was huge against Philadelphia, and I expect that he is going to be a difference maker in this series. Dominic Ducharme uh, raised a few eyebrows when he told who was in and who was out of the lineup. What do you think he wanted to say with his lineup going into game one? You know, I think people are looking at Jesperi Kotkaniemi out and Cole Caulfield out and Alex Romanov out and saying Ducharme is going conservative and betting on experience. I think he's going bold here because... He's betting on guys like Eric Stahl and John Merrill who didn't show it with the Canadians in the regular season. He believes that their pedigree uh, and their ability to execute his system is going to be there. And he knows that he's going to have to use all these players that I just mentioned as this series goes along and wants all of them to be ready. And I think he's lighting a fire under everybody. You know, there's going to be motivation for the guys that are in to keep their jobs. There's going to be motivations for the guys who are watching from the outside looking in to take one of those jobs. One thing is for sure, he's got to own these decisions. He's got to be willing to make the adjustments, win or lose. If they play a great game and Eric Stahl doesn't have it, he's got to be willing to throw Kakniemi into the mix. And if they need goals, which a lot of people anticipate they might, Cole Caulfield is a guy who can score them no matter how young he is. So I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But I, I think Ducharme is coaching for his job. He's not just coaching to win this series. And he's got to own the decisions he makes and be willing to adjust as quickly as possible. And paired with John Merrill is going to be Shea Weber, who's back in the lineup, even though, as you wrote on sportsnet.ca, he's not 100% with his hand injury. Based on how you've seen him on ice this week, do you think he'll still put in his usual Shea Weber minutes tonight? I expect to see the best version of Shea Weber, as we always do at playoff time. And you saw it in the bubble last year. I thought he was an absolute monster for the Canadians. And that's what I'm expecting to see. And I expect that he'll play upwards of 22 23 minutes tonight yes he's starting the game with john merrill but i think as ducharme mentioned he's going to play some shifts with ben Sherratt, the bash brothers as i like to refer to them and uh we go back to the first game of the season austin matthews bore the brunt of the cross checks from those guys we heard about it from his agent and we'll see how this game gets called because that's ultimately going to play a huge factor in how this series goes and the canadians want to bring that physical edge and Shea Weber is the guy leading the charge in that regard. Engels, yesterday I was talking about who was under the most pressure in the North and immediately everyone went to the Toronto Maple Leafs because of their inability to get past the first round. And I understood it. I think there was pressure in Edmonton given the fact that they haven't been able to capitalize 
on Connor McDavid as of yet. I also think that there's pressure in Montreal. Listen, they haven't won a series in, what, five seasons? And that would normally be okay with a young roster. But when you got Carey Price at 33 and Shea Weber at 35, I think it ratchets up the pressure a little bit. You mentioned Dominic Ducharme. Who else is under pressure? And I just keep hearing the name Joel Bouchard. Is is there a chance that Montreal, if this doesn't work out, they've already got the guy ready? I don't know if I'm ready to go there, Tim, to be honest with you. And I would suggest that the pressure on Toronto is much greater than it is on Montreal. But looking at the specific actors uh, involved, obviously there's pressure on Mark Bergevin. He built this roster. He spent over, you know, $100 million of Jeff Molson's money in the offseason, was authorized to do so. The expectations were that they would make the playoffs and do some damage when they get there. Uh, Ducharme, obviously under significant pressure, but so is Carey Price at 33 years old. And a guy who lobbied to have an opportunity like this, and sure enough, he's getting one with a team that, regardless of what we saw in the regular season, which I think there was a lot of reasons for why the Canadians didn't kick it into high gear, you know, there's expectation that they're going to be able to push through and he's going to have to be the guy that helps them do it. And Shea Weber's under that pressure as well. And a lot of the players, the veterans of this team, or even the youth, a guy like Nick Suzuki, who's looked at as a primary offensive driver at 21 years old, you know, pressure of the playoffs, it can make or break you. And the Canadians are hoping it makes a lot of their guys because they believe they're built for the playoffs. A lot of us believe that they were built for the playoffs. And, you know, if they had been a bit better in the regular season, they wouldn't have to face this Toronto team, which is a a heavy favorite in this series uh, right off the hop. But that uh, that, you know, presents an opportunity where they come in in the underdog role. And I think they're relishing that, too. Yeah, Eric, given that they are the underdog, and as you said, it's well known that the Leafs are the favorite headed in. Given that, given the fact that Ducharme and especially the senior leadership of this Habs team has been preaching throughout the week, as Tim and I were talking about before the break, that they need to be hard to play against and use their body against the Leafs. What do you expect to see from them tonight, not just in game one, but in that very first period? You know, I, I want to see execution. At the end of the day, and I have a, a, a scouting, a friend in the scouting world who always likes to say that the team that best asserts its style and sticks to its style is always the team that wins in the playoffs. And so it's not necessarily about the talent. It's about will and it's about want and but it is really about execution of your own style. And if the Canadians are going to be hard to play against, if they're going to be five guys in the picture at all times in all three zones, as Dominic Ducharme wants them to be, they need to execute. And that's why I think they're leaning on a veteran-laden roster here and sitting the kids for this first game. And those guys better reward those decisions. I think there's a lot of faith being placed in those guys to do it. Talking about Eric Stahl again, John Merrill again, a guy like Yoel Armia who's getting an opportunity to play with Tyler Toffoli uh, I'm also looking at Thomas Tatar, who hasn't had great playoff performances in at the epicenter of this Canadian's roster, playing with Brendan Gallagher and, and Philip Deneau in that key matchup. So, you know, everybody has to step up and do their job. And, you know, Ducharme did not have more than five practices over a six-week period. And he suddenly had four of them in the last yeah. week to really get this team fine-tuned. So let's see what happens. Uh Appreciate both of you doing this with us. Uh, we're run out of time, and I love the painting. Your wife is a wonderful artist. Appreciate it, <laughs> Angles. Appreciate it, Cameron. See you guys. Be well. Uh, hour number two, Tim and Friends on the way. Jennifer Botterill, Justin Bourne, Chris Johnson, all friends as we get you set for Leafs Habs game number one. And follow up, Oilers and Jets. Next.
Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and friends of the show. The Sheepdogs are good people. Thank you very much for being good people, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two on Tim and Friends, ahead of Hockey Central, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, across the country on Sportsnet. That's followed, of course, by Game 1 of the Canadians and the Leafs on Sportsnet and CBC, if you haven't heard. Three other games in the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Lightning looking to go up 3-0 on the Panthers. That starts in about a half an hour on FX Canada, if you're looking for that. The Penguins and Islanders series even at one apiece. That's on Sportsnet 360 when we're done at 7 Eastern. And after that, Vegas and the Wild series tied at one as well. Meantime, Jays and Red Sox play the rubber of their three-game set in Dunedin. Jay Central tees it up 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. Wow, sports. I enjoy them. The very best rivalries in sports are arrived at a bunch of different ways from greatness to geography familiarity to plain old hatred this has been building for a long long time Reeves and Kane finally after all uh, that chirping go after one another wow haymakers tough as nails right off the face off three fights couple of heavy right hands exchange nailing Martin with a straight right three of them four of them this is old school Ask someone about the best rivalry in hockey, and many will say Leafs-Canadians out of sheer muscle memory. But let's be honest, it hasn't exactly been like that for about 50 years. Yeah, late 50s, early 60s, it was the rivalry in hockey. All-out wars that forced Canada to pick a side or a sweater. Between 1959 and 1967, they met seven times in the playoffs, three times in the cup final. That that was a rivalry. But since 1967, the Leafs and Habs have met just twice in the postseason, 1978 and 1979. Both Montreal sweeps. And as the 80s came, the rivalries turned. The Habs sparked one of the most fierce rivalries in all sports with the Quebec Nordiques. Never mind the battles that they had with the Boston Bruins. The Leafs, meanwhile turn their battle into the Battle of Ontario. And dare I say they also, along with establishing something special with the Sens, got a little bit of a rivalry with the Bruins. Sorry, Leaf fans. My point is that even though they've met 757 times in the regular season, it's been just eight times in the 54 years since 1967, when it matters most, in the Stanley Cup Finals. That does not a rivalry make. So how in the good name of Bunny LaRock are they still among the greatest rivalries in sports? I'll tell you how. The fans. The Leafs and Canadians fans are what makes this one special. The fans are the ones who have kept the rivalry alive by traveling to each other's barns and making every single one of those regular season meetings an absolute event. Admit it, Leafs, Habs on a Saturday night is special, no matter where you live in this great country. And it's because of those fans, you guys, who whip up the kind of frenzy that makes sports worth watching. And the players on the ice can't help but feel it and at times even match the intensity, which makes this the first meeting since 1979. Bittersweet, 
Yeah, we can all share in the glory of the Leafs and the Habs, but it's missing its soul. You. And while you might not be there in person to add to that soul, yet we see you, we hear you loud and clear, and together we can count the days till we can all get back to cheer on our separate teams as one. So whether you're on the couch or whether you work and you have to watch it on your phone, whether you're in the backyard with a pop or gathered around the computer with the family, enjoy the renewed rivalry a generation in the making. As I move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We're big fans of Sean McKenzie. Obviously, the fans playing a big role. And hey, he's got a new show on Sportsnet's YouTube channel called The Show with Sean McKenzie. Not sure why they didn't go with Sean and Friends, but... Check it out regardless. And in the meantime, Sean is standing by outside of Scotiabank Arena, ahead of game one. Sean, uh, I see that you lost your sprint against David Amber. Uh, we will forgive you and ask you for the latest on the Habs and the Leafs. First and foremost, I will answer your first question. It is not called Sean and Friends because it is only a 12-minute show and I don't want to give up any of my airtime. I am more than happy to come on your show and grace you with my presence. Let's get to tonight's game. And that gave me chills talking about the fans, the lack thereof, and just what it means to people. And I think we already get a sense of just how important this matchup is and the fan base right now are just, it's intense, it's its heated. And the Habs, they'll come into this one, we know, as the underdog on paper and that's a role that they went into last year's bubble with and a role that they they ran with and had a lot of success doing so the Maple Leafs though they come in as the favorite but with a little bit of a caveat because people still want to question them are they the team that can finally get over the hump are they the team that can get past the first round John Tavares was asked that this morning and he asked about the pressure of being a Maple Leaf and getting out of that first round and he said pressure or not this is a team that is mature we want to go on a deep run and that is the obvious goal so it's not something they're thinking of and the big reason that the Maple Leafs are the favorite is because of firepower. It's guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marder. And Sheldon Keefe was asked a little bit about that, asked why he doesn't line match as much, why he doesn't keep Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner away from the Habs' top line. And he simply said, I don't need to hide Austin and Mitch from anyone. So we talk about how physical this series will be, how mean it's going to be, how much the Habs are going to target those guys. I think the big caveat that if the Habs are going to take down the Leafs, it's can they stop Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. I think it might be Sean and friend, at least right now, because that dude just keeps walking behind you. As you speak. And number four. Anyways, uh, I'm going to ask you one more follow-up, because I thought a lot of people raised eyebrows at Dominic Ducharme's lineup. But I'm going to be honest, seeing Riley Nash in the Leafs lineup was a little surprising to me. Was it surprising to you? Uh, not really. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit, considering the only thing that surprised me was he didn't have any experience, that it's rare to see a guy... Yeah get traded to a new team, have to go through the COVID protocol, was injured, and get barely any practice time and basically jump right into the lineup for the playoffs. But uh, according... To, to the Leafs and Sheldon Keefe, they saw what he could do in last year's bubble. They have the scouting reports. They know what he's all about. And that's a low event, shutdown type of player. And I think this is the type of guy that in past years, the Maple Leafs might have been missing. So I think they see it as a guy that isn't going to create a lot for them, but isn't going to allow a lot. And I think that's the big thing that the Maple Leafs are looking And I know this guy kept walking behind, but what you didn't see is there was a guy here two minutes ago that did a full arc 
and I don't know if he's still around here, but he was holding up a burger with a camera, and he kept taking a photo of the burger with me in the background. So, <laughs> sir, if you're watching this, tag me in that photo, because I don't know what you're up to. It's artsy and looks weird, but I want to see me in the burger. It looked cool. Uh, that is influencing at its best, and say hi to your friend <laughs> for me, okay? Thank you. All right, there is uh, Sean McKenzie ahead of Leafs-Habs Game 1 from Scotiabank Arena. Uh, meanwhile, Nazem Kadri is facing potential discipline again in the playoffs. Kadri offered an in-person hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety for his hit to the head in Justin Falk Game 2 last night at Avs Blues. Now, Kadri has been suspended five times since 2013, including the 2019 playoffs when he cross-checked Jake DeBrusque Game 2 Boston the Leafs were without him for the remainder of the series. He could get five or more for this one. Oilers and Jets game two set to go tomorrow. But as you've probably heard, every playoff night begins with Tim and friends. And we will get you set for that game with a bonus show. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 in Manitoba, 5.30 in Alberta. And following the game one win, there might be more good news if you're a Jets fan. Nick Ehlers, Pierre-Luc Dubois might be close to returning. Here's Paul Maurice with the update. There's a chance, yeah. So we'll get him into tomorrow, make that decision. Um, two more days has been really, really good for both of them. Um, but be premature for me to put them in tomorrow uh, as of what I know today. So we'll wait till tomorrow and see where they're at. We got to get to to the net a little more and, and maybe make it a little simpler on ourselves and then just put pucks there and, and throw them there. But um, eventually they're going to go in and, um, you know, we, we've done it all year. One of the big questions for the Calgary Flames heading into the offseason was the future of Johnny Goudreau. 27-year-old who had 19 goals this season has one year remaining on his deal, a six-year $40.5 million contract. Today, Goudreau spoke to the media, and it sounds like he's interested in saying. If, uh, you know, Tree and the owners and uh, are happy with the way I, I've, uh, I've played here in the past six, seven years, uh, and uh, it's something we can, uh, you know, figure out this uh, upcoming summer, and I, I would love to do that. I, I love the city of Calgary. I, I love playing here. I don't think I've ever not once said I wouldn't, haven't wanted to be here. Um, you know, the guys in the locker room are great in there, and uh, I've always enjoyed my time here. So if that's something that, um, you know, is, comes up this summer, it's something that, uh, you know, I'd be uh, very willing to do and, and try to get done. Hmm. Very interesting words from Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. Here to uh, help me navigate my way through the North Division and the playoffs from the mothership that is Hockey Night in Canada. Jen Botterill joins me. Jen, how are you? Doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Um, let's start with what we saw last night. And I think a lot of people were surprised, not only with the result without Nick Ehlers and, and obviously without PDL, but... Are you surprised at how the game was played? Because that's kind of what shocked me the most, that it took almost nine minutes for the Oilers to get their first shot on goal and that the Jets almost played the perfect road game. 
And, and that's why they play the playoffs, that we yeah. can't always predict exactly what the games might look like. And for the Jets, that's been their secret in the past in terms of Hellebuck being solid in net and in terms of the Jets playing physical with many of their, their big bodies. And, and that's what playoff hockey is about. If you can combine those two things along with getting some depth on offense, some different people producing, you might have more of these outcomes where everyone may have predicted the Oilers to be all over the Jets, especially when they're uh, missing a couple of their star players. But again, it's playoff hockey, and you need to do those little things. And if you have some of those elements, uh, some surprises may come. All right. If I say PDL again, I'm putting $5 in the jar. <laughs> PLD obviously Good. is Pierre-Luc Dubois. I've said it, I think, twice already on this show, Jen. So uh, I'll put 5 bucks in the jar, and we'll put it to a good cause. Okay. <laughs> all right. So let's continue. I mean, obviously, McDavid has a ridiculous regular season, and when he's held off the score sheet, everyone's like, what happened here? So is there an easy explanation, or is part of this the fact that there was only one power play? Because I think if you gave the Jets one penalty per game, they would take that in a flash in this series. Well, exactly. And with McDavid, uh, it wasn't very often this season that he was left off the score sheet. But if he was, typically it didn't take him very long to get back on the score sheet uh, the next game. So that's the huge challenge for the Jets. I mean, they had the ability to contain him and to contain Dreisaitl in game one, but the question is, can they continue to do so for the rest of the series? And, and that's a huge uh, task for them to try to accomplish. All right, I hear people talking about X factors and keys as we shift gears to the Habs and the Leafs in game number one. I know there's been tons of talk about goaltending. There's been tons of talk about the firepower on both sides. When you look at this series, is there something that jumps out to you that not enough people are talking about, even though we've had a week to lead into it? <laughs> Well, I mean, you talked about the goaltending. I mean, we've seen some interesting dynamics developing there. You saw Carey Price showing a lot of intensity in practice. Uh, and then you saw Campbell, who's been taking things a little more lightly, sort of making some jokes to the media about some hints on, on which, uh, you know, they were talking about the Montreal power play and having right shots. So he was aware of that. Uh, so different approaches to that. I think on both sides, what they have appreciated, I think, is some veteran experience. Uh, so that's something that both lineups have, have taken that approach which with making sure they have experienced players in their rosters uh, for game one. I mean the surprise certainly uh, and there you're having a look at, at Price showing his intensity and he apparently had taken a, a high shot earlier in practice before he had let in that goal so it wasn't just that one moment um, that he felt a little bit uh, disappointed and frustrated by but he's a competitor he always has been in the past uh, but for the Montreal lineup it's uh, the surprise without Caulfield and Kotkinemi who have yeah. been pretty solid and, um, and for Caulfield if they're looking for goal scoring in the playoffs but that's the decision for the Canadians. They felt uh, more confident at this point going with the more experienced players for game one. If we're talking about experience, I can't talk about the stories of the grizzled vets on the Toronto Maple Leafs hunting for their first cup. I mean, this has to be the oldest average age of a fourth line in Stanley Cup playoff <laughs> history. Thornton, Spezza, and Simmons. Do you think that's added motivation, though, to the Leafs who seemingly really like all three of these guys? And you nailed it. That's it. I mean, from the beginning of the regular season, as soon as Thornton would get a point, 
you saw, saw more animation and more excitement from the Leafs roster um, you know, than you'd seen for any of them getting personal points. They were so excited to see him doing well, and that's been contagious. I think for Thornton, he's a player who knows how to work, but he also seems to really enjoy the game, and they seem to embrace that, whether they're talking about vintage Spezza goals or, or celebrating that. I mean, that's something that, in terms of Simmons' approach and his toughness and his grit, uh, but in general, these are three character players who have added so much to the entire dynamic uh, for this Leafs team. If you play a team 10 times in the regular season, what does that mean to a playoff series? Hmm. Well, I'll just use a personal example. In the 2002 Olympic year, we had lost eight times uh, in a row to the U.S. So we finally beat them in that gold medal game. So it's not always the most clear prediction of what might happen throughout those 10 games you get to learn a little more about your opponent and potentially use that to your advantage when it when the playoffs comes around uh, but you can look at them and learn from them but they're not always going to tell you exactly what might happen in the playoffs 2002 with Jennifer Botterill and last night with the Jets and the Oilers uh, always appreciate when you drop by plenty of knowledge that I, uh, I love soaking up thanks for doing this Pleasure. Great to chat with you. Good to chat with you, too. There's Jennifer Botterill getting you set. Game one, she'll be on the crew tonight with Ron McLean and company. Time for a break. Justin Bourne joins me in studio next. What does he see as the key to the series between the Habs and the Leafs? Plus, we'll look at some of the betting props for tonight's game mm. number one and maybe wander around the United States of America and the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's next. Tim and Friends, the pregame show, continues on Sportsnet. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Let's continue our tee up for the Habs and Leafs. And it's a damn shame there won't be any fans there to enjoy this series. But we've got a little fan, player, coach, Mark Napier, Scotty Bowman, Matthew Schneider, Guy Carboneau, and Daryl Sittler on what this rivalry means to the fans. A good memory I have is, is the fans. Uh, I, I still, I know the Montreal fans were were fabulous and uh, uh, and you know very vocal, very loud. But it seemed to be in each building somehow two or three thousand uh, opposing fans would would get in the game. So you'd come into the old uh, Maple Leaf Gardens and you'd have three thousand very happy uh, Montreal Canadiens fans cheering for you, very happy, very loud. And uh, and the same thing happened when we went to Montreal. I don't know how. Uh, those fans got the tickets, but uh, they they probably started having a couple of beers around lunch and, and kept it going and uh, and were very vocal. So it was, it was actually a big lift for both away teams having fans like that. So there was a, a, certainly a big buzz in the, in the building and uh, you knew when you went to Toronto, there'd be some Montreal fans there. And also when, when they came to uh, Montreal, uh, there's always fans that transcend from different provinces. You know, in all honesty, coming in as a young player into Montreal or, or into Toronto, uh, at any point in your career, you realize how important that game is to fans every time you lace them up against, against Toronto and vice versa. I, I think if you look at the history, obviously, um, you know, if you, if you talk to the young generation, um, that never had the chance to see those kind of teams uh, and those playoffs. Uh, you know, it's a little less for them, but you know, there's more people than that around, and they, a lot of the people have had the chance to see 
Montreal and Toronto in the playoffs and, and you know, Toronto winning Stanley Cup and uh, Montreal winning Stanley Cup. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, the fact, that, you know, TV is a lot different than in the 80s and 90s. Uh, you can watch it all over the world uh, in prime time. So, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be, uh, it's been a lot of fun. What it means in each city, uh, still today, um, when we go to Montreal, the Leafs, there's lots of Leaf jerseys in the crowd. And obviously when uh, the Habs come to Toronto in our building, regular season games, there's lots of Hab fans there. So this rivalry, it's been way uh, too long since uh, we've got together, 42 years. It's hard to believe that that would, would happen. But uh, we played each other 10 times this year, and the fans have lots to look forward to. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, we have a really good series with the COVID situation going on. It certainly gives us all something to be excited about, something positive uh, on the horizon here. And uh, let's hope it's entertaining hockey and we all enjoy it. And it turns out to be as, uh, as good as we all hoped it to be. Go Leafs, go. Some legends there as Sittler finishes it off. Great stuff. Both fan bases obviously pumped. Leafs, Habs, and the players are no different. Here's John Tavares and Thomas Tatar with their thoughts ahead of game number one. Well, I want to make a run regardless if there's pressure or not. So, um, you know, we're, we want to compete for the Stanley Cup. We've got a great opportunity to do that. Uh, we've done a great job uh, uh, this season so far to put, us, put ourselves in this position, uh, and we want to make the most of it, this opportunity. All of us know what we're capable of doing and uh, what's, uh, what's going to be our job and uh, it's a big challenge but you know what we are very looking forward to it uh, it's a great series you know with a lot of history and uh, I think we're all very excited once again that is you are correct that is Thomas Tatar and joining me in studio is Justin Bourne what is that from that is a dude walking through the concourse yeah. at the Bell Center with, uh, might have been double fisted uh, with a pair of tall boys Straight in each whiskey. hand. <laughs> and it looked like it was going to be, you know, that classic shot of the young person, like the kid, yeah. the child walking through the concourse with pops. Yeah. And he just kind of cut in front and looked in the camera and just went. Just like an old guy stealing a baseball from a kid about to grab a foul ball or something. Perfect. Absolute perfection. In fact, I think he came on the show one day. Oh, great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Thanks for coming in the studio. Appreciate it. Anytime. Big day. Uh, It is a big day. And it feels like I've spent an hour and 25 minutes talking about this. I mean, we've wandered in and around different areas and to the Jets and the Oilers and maybe some basketball. I don't know that I wanted to go to the Zach Bogosian part of this. Yeah. And at the start of the year, honestly, I was like, why did they bring Bogosian in? Yeah. But by the end of the year, he was an integral part. And having him back for this game one feels like it might actually be a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That, you know, the Leafs this year feel rebuilt in that veteran sort of model that they're mm-hmm. going to you know, run back the same guys they've run back before, but instead of surrounding them with a bunch of kids, like last year, remember, Nick Robertson played in the playoffs against Columbus. Like this year, you're plugging back in old veteran guys who've been around and 
to be honest, this long break's got to be great for them. You know, I was trying to figure out, like, who has the advantage yeah. by this long wait to start the series? That bottom line of the Leafs, uh, come the Stanley Cup final, I may not be as confident in that group. But after a break like this, I feel like you're going to get a pretty good output from uh, a bunch of guys nearing 40 years old. It feels like um, with Bogosian in there and obviously that fourth line, uh, parts of it, Montreal is coming in here to try and push them around. I think when you saw Cole Caulfield out, of course it's experience, but it's also toughness and size, no? Yeah. Well, I think they, they've kind of made a decision. They had to go one way or the other. Right. And that's, are we going to do the young guy thing and, and, you know, sort of move into the future with the next wave? And they're like, no, no, no. They're basically, what it strikes me as is a team focusing more on the opponent than themselves. Like, instead of dressing their best lineup, I think they're dressing a team they think they can beat the Leafs, which, just from where I sit, kind of feels a little bit insane. You're still going to have to score some goals. That's going to be a necessity. Yeah. The Leafs can score. So if, you, if your whole plan is, all right, we're going to keep these guys to the outside, we're going to hit them, run them into the ground, I don't know. You're kind of beating yourself before the puck is dropped. It's interesting to me because I don't think they're going to outskill the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah. while you're saying that they need to score goals, I'm with you on it, and I got a feeling before this series is over, Caulfield, Kotkaniemi, and probably Romanoff will all yeah. have played. But I get the idea all right, we're not going to outskill this team, but we might be able to out-tough them. It's funny because you say, like, you agree that, like, Caulfield will, he'll be in. Yeah, we're going to see him, and he's going to have something to say about it. So maybe it is sort of a big-picture plan of the series. Like, hey, game one, we're going to go in there and make it difficult <laughs> yeah. on him, wear some guys down. Yeah. Game, you know, maybe we see Caulfield in, later in the series when they think they, uh, they've already beat up the, the Leafs. But it's not like the Habs are a huge, thuggish team. I think no. they just don't want that... That rookie meltdown, that rookie mistake. You know, we saw Samsonov in Washington last last night, double OT, yeah. make an error that, you know, would chalk it up to maybe just a bad player, maybe a rookie thing. I think they're trying to eliminate those rookie moments in that early in the series. So I, I get it from, from that aspect. The Habs health has been a question mark down the stretch. Does that give the Leafs an added edge, or does everything go out the window after we watch the Jets beat the Oilers last yeah. night? But, you know what's so funny is I watch that game and I think like there's a formula. When you're the underdog, what you want to happen in the game is nothing. Right. From start to finish, you want like nothing. Go, and it was nothing. It was nothing. Nothing. The, the first period was six <laughs> shots to six. Yeah. And I was like, ah, you, you know, after watching Florida Tampa with I know. the fans and the chaos, mm -hmm. uh, that was a bit of a, a slog. Do you wasn't think it? the fans, like, listen, I've never played at any sort of level. Uh, if I played at this level and there are 20,000 or 15,000 or. 8,000, I'd be running around like a like my like chicken yes. with his head cut off. Yes. It, does that actually affect NHL players? Yeah, man. I, I thought you that uh, that first Tampa, Florida game, you saw a penalty after a goal that looked like overreacting. And I think you saw a number of hits where players are usually able to find the line, like on the right side of things. And there was hits from behind. You know, there was Bennett on, I uh, forget who was on. But there was like three or four hits in that game that could have been suspendable. Yeah. Uh, it was on Coleman. Coleman yeah. yeah. Um, but so it does... It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it does strike me as uh, the fans put that extra level of, like, lack of clarity. And for, for us as fans, I love the fuzz. I love when these guys are going mental out there. It's more fun. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it is more fun. Uh, is it over, though, in that series? Done. Yeah. Done. Write it off. And, I mean, that's terrible. I'm sorry for Florida. Tough draw. Kucherov coming back in. I know. <laughs> it's an like, awful draw. You have the senior. Year. You get the Here's defending Tampa. cup champs with an added piece. <laughs> yeah. No, it's brutal. Um, but same for, like, St. Louis. I think you can go down 2 nothing in a series and come back. But when you're already the team that's probably not as good, down 2 nothing, uh, dead to rights. I think it's over. Uh, 
You uh, you betting at all in this uh, postseason? You dabbling a little bit here, a little, a little sprinkle, sprinkle, yeah, <laughs> a little yeah. sprinkle in a game or two. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, I just carpet blast the whole thing. <laughs> every, every player uh, over two points. Well, I don't know. Let me try and help you out. Jesse Rubinoff has Let's find been, some uh, value for him. Then has been okay. kind enough to look through some of these things. And Correct offer. me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure me and you sat in here and said the Tampa draw was going to be tough for Florida. Last time we did some picks on the show. Yeah. I don't want to pat her back too early because it's only 2 nothing. but... We were surprised we did pick at up. how low the number was. Right, because that's the Tampa. objective here. We're trying to find value. Yeah. Right. Um, so that leads us no- to tonight. I noticed you left out our Minnesota Wild pick after it's been even. Oh, up. it's only 1-1. One, one. Long <laughs> way to go. Long way to go. After game one. We were listen, oh, listen yeah. if, they, if they lose, it was all about value anyway. Because <laughs> right, yeah, that's what correct. we're trying to find, okay, right? That's what yeah. we want. Uh, so let's separate this into tonight, the game one props, and okay. then the series props. So yeah. Austin Matthews, um, obviously, likes to score. And if you've been riding Austin Matthews to score all season long, Doing it's been well. a very, very profitable bet for you seven goals in his last 10 games in the regular season series against the Habs obviously the Rocket Richard winner 41 goals in 52 games 22 percent of the team's goals this season that's tops in the league so I'm all over Austin Matthews once again to score in tonight's game on the other hand Jeff Petrie quarterbacking the power play for the Habs even with Shea Weber back in the lineup it's going to be Petrie who's uh Back there running the show. 10 points in his final nine games. Like Matthews, he's on a heater. So I like Jeff Petrie at minus 135. Let's shift over to... For a point. For a point. Just right. for a point. Not Just for, for a point. The Matthews for the is for a goal. Yeah. But the Petrie is yeah, for a, a point. Right. So here you see the rest of the series picks. Now, this is where it gets fun. Because we are looking for value. That's what we described, right? Mm-hmm. John Tavares, who has 22 points in his final 19 games of the regular season. Probably playing his best hockey of the year. Right, Justin? Yeah. Plus 600 behind Marner and Matthews to lead the series in points. So that's rather intriguing considering how good that line has been. Uh, I'm also picking the Habs. We talked about it at length during the show. People are not giving them a lot of credit. And it's been reflected in the price. But they're finally healthy here. Let's give the Habs a little bit of credit. They come in. They steal game one. But they still lose the series. That number is plus 400. So there's a ton of value if you want the Habs to win tonight. So they got to win game they one, win game one but lose the series. series. See, but this, if nah, you tie these good. together, yeah. if you tie these together, this is where it gets fun. All right. Because if you want the Leafs to win and you have them in six games, then that makes a lot of sense. Habs come in, steal spot game one, one spot them one. Once you and start hedging, the though, that's, that, is, that is a gambler's nightmare. And this is when, when Bourne came in here and started talking about carpet bombing. I thought, <laughs> you can't do that as a gambler. you got to pick what you like yeah. and go to it. Well, and we I, just did. And I know, <laughs> I, know, I know what you're saying. You're saying, all right, you get plus 400, and then if the Leafs win the series in six, yes. you end okay. up getting... The plus three oh nine anyway. You get the, then to the win the series. You get the series finishing in game six. So you could cash both, and you, you can hedge your bet a bit. You can cash all of them because if you're picking the right. Leafs to beat the Habs in six games, that is going to be a very profitable board. If they do win a game, I could see it being game one. Ooh. And also, I think if Montreal wins game one, your line's gonna be like minus totally minus. Yeah. And what ha- what did we see happen last night in the Jets and Oilers? The Jets came in, stole game one. Maybe it's a similar script tonight. Just saying for betting purposes. We're not picking sides here. (laughs) We're just looking for value. Let me give you one question. Yeah, what's up? Have you ever sold a bet? 
that is yet to be cashed, either I, one of you? It doesn't have to be. It's for more money than I bet, I think. No one wants to buy my bet. <laughs> like, you have to bet quite a bit of money, or the stakes have to be higher, yeah, right? Yeah, no, you got to be a little bit of a gambler. Not a high roller it. like what, that. What but... circle are you running? You're selling <laughs> just, running I'm, with Rick Tockett just, in 2007. No, <laughs> if he's playing that game where he's putting the plus 400s and then the series at yeah, six, yeah. if you hit that first game, you start thinking about selling that bet unless it's a $10 bet. If it's a $10 bet, you ride it out. If it's a $200 bet, that's a different story. I like it. What are you betting? Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got I to gotta put my money where my mouth is. I'll go in on all those, those yeah, six bets. Are you going to do that? Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. Awesome. I'll give you half. Join of, the bus. I'll give you half of that. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. Big game for the Jays tonight <laughs> as they try and win the series and pull back within a half game of the Red Sox in the AL East. That's right, Jays, Red Sox, Sportsnet, one Blue Jays Central, getting you set 7 p.m. Eastern. Steven Matz against the Canadian, Nick Pavetta, who's been really good. Jays looking for some length from Matz after a rough outing for Ross Stripling last night. While Stripling struggled, Alec Manoa had another good start for AAA Buffalo. He allowed one run, four hits, 10 Ks in six innings. Both Stripling and Manoa are scheduled to start on Monday. Hmm. And the Jays will be wrapping up a four-game series with the Rays. Today, GM Ross Atkins was a guest on the writer's block, Jeff Blair, Stephen Brunn, and he talked about Manoa's progress and provided an update on the injured George Springer. He's been great. He really has. He had a great offseason. He had a great spring training, and that has just continued. He's uh, been very effective, but the professional environment just offers more opportunities and, in my opinion, more demand for consistency to your work and routines and just how quickly he's made that transition gives us a lot of confidence that, you know, he is, he should be in that discussion and he absolutely is in that discussion. And then on George Springer, it really is a matter of just how he feels with each day to be able to take that next step towards a playing progression. He's in the middle of a running progression, which is going exceptionally well. And as he gets through that and gets up to running at, you know, if not full speed, very near, then he can start to get some game reps and, and some live reps that would, you know, at that point, it'll be a matter of working with him on what he needs to be ready to play on the biggest stage. Is it's, you know, theoretically possible that he could be in a, you know, in a rehab assignment situation 10 days from now. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Run with the solid follow. That seems like a while. Uh, all right, Bourne sticking around. We'll head back to Scotiabank Arena after the break. Chris Johnston standing by to discuss the ins and outs. Game number one as we inch closer to puck drop. Leafs, Habs, a Tim and Friends. Tim and friends, not enough that we're in every day on a pandemic. The fire alarm has just started here at the Rogers <laughs> building in downtown Toronto. Tim's having his George moment from Seinfeld. And Get out of my way! way! Get out of my way! <laughs> All right, I think it might be a good idea to bring Chris Johnson into the conversation and just let him speak because I don't know if you can hear this, CJ. Uh, we got a flashing light and the fire alarm. Yeah, I don't know. What does that tell you about uh, what's going to happen this series? I don't know. It feels <laughs> ominous. Right now, is yeah. It's on fire already. <laughs> Either that or people are sick of us talking about the Leafs and Habs yeah. already, and they want us out of the building. All right. What's the key as you see it 
and they're going to turn down our mics while you speak so that no one hears this nonsense. <laughs> All right, now we've now we've lost Chris Johnson. Chris, can you hear me? Or is this gone to I hear you ab now. absolute you, chaos? You, All right. You, what is the key to this series out. as you see it? Well, I guess it's how what what becomes of Toronto's elite forwards, right? It's it's can those guys influence the series in Toronto's favor the way they did through the regular season, or will Montreal be able to come up with some sort of combination to shut them down, whether that's through their play, uh, through a goaltender stealing some games, that type of thing. You know, I think that the Leafs have, have finally got to a point where in the Matthews and Marner era that, that clearly these guys are absolute elite players in the league, and, and I think that they're going to have a, a big say in what happens here uh, for Toronto's end of things, and if Montreal's going to win the series, they obviously have to find some kind of answer for them. CJ, what did you make of uh, Sheldon Keefe's comments about uh, line matching and protecting uh, Austin Matthews? I thought that was uh, pretty well phrased. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a really nice way to set the tone for the Leafs' attitude entering the series. I mean, you know, one thing I've always thought, guys, is, is it's easy to say, yes, this group hasn't won a series. That is factually true. But if you pick through the years, there's a lot of context in there. Uh, and, and I get that the TV and radio conversations, there's always not time for that. But, you know, three, the first three years, they were decided underdogs. You know, last year was a five-game series coming out of a global pandemic. You know, what, what differentiates this team to me heading into the playoffs versus any of the ones that came before it is they've just dominated in the regular season. They played the team they're about to play ten times and had success in those games. I mean, I think the Leafs have a swagger and a, and a different level of expectation. And that all kind of was summarized in that quote to me, Justin. It's, it's you know, we don't have to hide from anything. We don't have to... There's not some magical formula to winning this series. It's just us being ourselves. And, you know, I, I really do think that there's a different level of confidence, experience level, obviously a little bit of a different team feel, uh, the way they built this group. And so this is clearly, in my eyes, by far the best chance the Leafs have had entering a playoffs with the, this uh, core group of elite forwards. And, and I think that there is kind of a different level of confidence about them entering this series. You mentioned the five-game series in the middle of a global pandemic, but did they ever do their job while the fire alarm was going off? No, they, they never did. Only pros like you and Borny can handle that. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's, let's move on to the um, reintroduced piece and the introduced piece. Zach Hyman back in the lineup, and it kind of shocked me a little bit to see Riley Nash having not played with this team game one, third-line center. Yeah, I can understand that to a degree, but, you know, he's a pretty known commodity to the Leafs. You know, obviously they've seen him as an opponent a couple times in the playoffs, but he's been around the league a long time. And, you know, really that's a, a Pierre Engvall thing to me. I mean, Pierre Engvall played most of the games this season, more than 40 in the regular season for the Leafs. You know, he's the one being pushed out here. I think there's more confidence uh, in Riley Nash and kind of a stopper role. You know, a big part of what he's going to do, of course, is a penalty kill. Uh, where he's, he's linked uh, forces again with, with Nick Foligno, who he played with in Columbus. Uh, you know, so I could see that that might look like a surprise, but I think the Leafs are pretty comfortable with him. And, of course, Zach Hyman, uh, you know, is sort of the fixer in this lineup. It seems like wherever they put him throughout the year at 5-on-5, five five, the line's gotten better. Uh, I'm not surprised to see him be back with Matthews and Marner. We'll start game one tonight just because that's uh, been the Leafs' most effective line uh, when the three of them play together. And, and so even though he's coming off an injury layoff, I wouldn't expect uh, much, much time needed to, to get him back up to speed. 
CJ, we've got about a minute left here, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on Rasmus Sandin, uh, A, being in the lineup over Travis Dermott, but also uh, how many power play minutes you expect him to see on that top unit compared to Morgan Riley. This, to me, is a surprise, Justin. Like, this is the one that I wouldn't have called, and it's not that we don't see the offensive abilities, the ability to move the puck that Rasmus Sandin has, but let's remember, most of the season, he wasn't even a discussion point. I mean, he was just a flat-out scratch, the eighth defenseman to start the year, uh, got injured when he got sent to the American Hockey League. Obviously, did get into a run of games in the in the back half of the season. But for him to now be elevated to that top power play unit, he took some reps at, in six on five drills. If the Leafs are behind and they pull Jack Campbell, you know, expect to see him out there uh, versus Morgan Riley. At least if they stick to what they did in practice this week. And so, you know, they're giving him a much more prominent role. And, and you know, I, I think that we all saw that coming for him eventually. I wouldn't have guessed it would be this soon, and, and we'll see how he handles that. Uh, don't know how many penalties will be called tonight, but I do think you'll see a lot of him uh, in five-on-four play for the Leafs <laughs> if, if there are those penalties. Uh, CJ, you are on fire, and we have got announcements going on in the studio, so we'll just say goodbye to you and appreciate it. Attention. I love you guys. Be safe. We're still going. This is awesome. Uh, as Tara saw once said, ring the alarm. Apparently that's what's going on right here. Uh, do you have a tweet for us before the next announcement comes forward? A tweet. We have multiple tweets. Right. Fire alarm is going on <laughs> yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, Josh writes, fire alarm from all the hot takes. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's one. Yeah. Uh, I love live television. That's exactly what that episode was. Yeah. Vinny says, working through a five alarm five minutes later. Full on, this is fine, Moby. We're laughing for now. Coach Bombay, if this is any indication of what's to come in the Leafs have series, this oh is. boy, baby. A harbinger of things to come. The fire alarm has stopped, thankfully, for now. Time for one last break, <laughs> but when we come back, we'll see if it returns. We'll check in on the lightning Careful. And the Panthers underway. <laughs> and we'll do a little last call before sending you to Ron McLean and the panel for hockey. This would never happen to Ron McLean. <laughs> Coming up next. Damn it, friends. This is Tim and Friends. Welcome back. Minutes away from Hockey Central. Ahead of the Leafs and Canadians with so much rich history a rivalry renewed so here's historian dave stubbs and former players and coaches to get you set for tonight's game we go back before the toronto maple leafs we go back before the toronto st pats back to the toronto arena so these guys have been playing each other since literally the birth year of the national hockey league the history is rich it's storied we have the two oldest teams in the national hockey league Finally, after 42 years, getting back together again to play in a Stanley Cup playoff series. And I think no matter who wins, no matter how long this goes, it's going to be magical. The Leaf rivalry has always been a good one. I uh, was drafted by the Leafs in 1970, so I was fortunate to play with a number of players, Leaf players, who had played the Canadians and had won the Stanley Cup in 67. Uh, Dave Keon, um, Bobby Bond, George Armstrong, Ronnie Ellis. And I got the sense and the feeling of the respect uh, that Leaf players had for the Habs organization and for the, the Hab players. It was always fun to play. The atmosphere in the building was phenomenal in both buildings. Uh, the players had a lot of respect for each other and we were well coached by uh, Roger Nielsen as was the Montreal team by Scotty Bowman. Rivalry goes back, my goodness, must be 
in the 30s and 40s, which is 70, 80 years ago, and uh, certainly uh, I have some very good memories of the 78 and 79 uh, uh, playoffs. 1978-79, we played the Canadians back-to-back. Uh, we lost out four straight, but play wasn't indicative of how tough those series were. The Canadians, they just had a little bit more depth than everybody else, and they won four Stanley Cups in a row. Uh, eight players from that 79 series team from the Habs went on and were elected, inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So that gives you some idea how good they were. The memories for the players would be, it was always a buzz with so many players from the uh, Ontario League. And we had uh, many that came from Toronto as, as well as just playing in Ontario. Our goalie Ken Dryden and Steve Shutt and Mark Napier were we're Marley players as juniors. It was neat for us because we had a bunch of Ontario kids playing our team. I think we had seven or eight kids from Ontario. Um, you know, Larry Robinson, Kenny Dryden, uh, Riseborough, Jarvis, Steve Shutt. So, so we were pretty pumped coming in to play them, and uh, and they gave us a really good run. They, uh, they, like I say, they were one or two players away from being really good. You know, I think we've been waiting for this for a long, long time. Uh, you know, I think. Um, like I said, like 93 was probably the closest. Unfortunately, uh, they, they got beat by the Kings. I think we still talk about that. I know I did with, with Kirk Muller and a couple of guys that are from Ontario, how fun it would have been to, to play the Leafs in the, in, the, in, the, in the finals. Having played for both clubs, uh, I, I know the rivalry was very intense. Yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, participate in the uh, Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs rivalry. They were just incredible. I played on both sides. So I uh, got to feel what it was like to play for both teams during those times. The atmosphere in the building, the, uh, the energy was just incredible. And to be a part of that was something special. And I love playing them, other than when I had to fight Ty Domi a couple times. Yeah, that'll make it a little tougher. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a fun rivalry at all. <laughs> uh, Shane Carson, one of the true warriors that played on both sides. Uh, speaking of... Uh, Sam Bennett back in the lineup for the Florida Panthers. They're underway, Lightning and Panthers on FX Canada. And Bennett has already scored. In fact, the Panthers, who both you and I kind of declared out of this series after a 2-0 series lead for Tampa, have already scored twice in this game. The sniper, Radko Gudis. Has goal number two. So Sam Bennett. Goodison Bennett, porn him. <laughs> wow, okay. Some, uh, some uh, nastiness in those first two games and some nasty players scoring the first two goals today for the Panthers. So that would be a big step to getting back into the series. Justin Bourne's in studio. So is Jesse Rubinoff. Let's do last call. Rubinoff. We just had to open our mouths about the lightning bet, even though it's just halfway there. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. All right, let's do last call. Listowel, Ontario's Corey Connors. How good has this guy been this year? He's alone on top of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship after a first round 67. He currently has a two-stroke lead over a group of six nice. golfers. Connors is a big Leafs fan and was asked today if he was what he was more excited about, the possibility of the Leafs winning or his round today. <laughs> I had a great round today, but I'm excited to watch the game. Hopefully they get off to a good start and can... Uh, get uh, a lead on the series. <laughs> Justin, is Connors leading at a major a good omen for the Leafs? 
Uh, I'm gonna say yes. It feels like a positive thing. I mean, uh, Leafs fans in prominent places, big day. It's a nice tie-in. I think I it's a good omen it. for him. Yeah. To be leading <laughs> yeah. after one round. Forget the Leafs. If I were him, I'd be like the Leafs. How about a mate? Like, he's been knocking at the door, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that he's a Leaf fan, but like, the guy's leading the PGA Championship. Like, let's just stick to golf questions. You asked the today. question. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do some more tweets because it's the fire alarm saga has everyone just... Ah. <laughs> uh, here's Tim McAuliffe when the studio <laughs> fire alarms go off. George, a little fire. Uh, Darren says, coming back from commercial break. Oh, we needed that. Uh, Sunny, it turns off by itself if you just let the building <laughs> burn down. That's it. That is. Uh, that is. We are on we're, fire on this edition. Yeah, we're still standing, though. We're still standing. Uh, Josh says, why the hell does your fire alarm sound like a truck backing up? <laughs> by the way, nice robot, Tim. A lot of people online loving the robot. Meet Morp. Listen, we, when you have a fire alarm go off on a live yeah. national program heading into game one of the Leafs and Habs, you better damn well embrace that, no? <laughs> the best part is, like, that will be forgotten. It's game one Leafs-Habs. No yeah. one has a clue what just happened there. It's hockey time. Jesse, got any more? Got one more. Uh, fire alarm representing how hot I'm feeling about this upcoming playoff game. See, that was, that was the harbinger of things to come. Maybe it was on was purpose. The, the, we yeah. were setting it. And I figured, listen... If ever the fire alarm was going to go off because of hot takes, it would have been with Sid Sixero mm. yeah, sitting yeah. in that chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not born or not me. Listen, it is just one of those days. Happy to have you along for the ride, Mr. Bourne. Thanks for doing this. Ruby, as always, very fun. Friends, as always, very fun. Blue Jays pregame next. Sportsnet 590 of the fan. Penguins and Islanders are up next on Sportsnet 360. On Sportsnet, it's time for Hockey Central. Ron McLean and a cast of thousands, hopefully without a fire alarm. And then game one, Canadians and Leafs. Enjoy the action, kids. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Mr. McLean, take it away.